Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tas Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Dennis Doran. He's the author of Soft as Steel. So, Dennis, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure to be here with you, Tats. Yeah, so I appreciate you reaching out. And with your background, I know you have a deep construction background. Walk me through some of that. You know, I was educated as an accountant, left a bachelor's degree program, went to public accounting. And in about the third or fourth year, I was assigned to the audit of a construction company. You know, my initial interaction with the construction industry goes back to the very early days of my career. And then my career continued. And I was working in a variety of industries, serving a variety of clients. And one of them, as I made a decision to leave, and this was a number of years later, leave a, a very large international accounting and consulting firm to form my own consulting practice, they were my first clients. And they had three companies. One was a construction company, one was in the building materials business, and one was a vinyl fabrication uh, window fabrication business. So three companies put me in a very nice retainer. And that was the beginning of my relationship with the construction industry through the, those three companies. That relationship continued on. I then got a chance to, to consider moving into a, a position with one of those companies, which I did. So, you know, so I started as a degreed accountant, as an auditor and accountant, moved over into, into doing consulting and audit work for a range of companies, construction being among them, then ended up going to work for one of those construction companies. So that was my first full-time position in the construction industry. And that would have been 19, oh, I would say roughly 1978, maybe 78 to 80, somewhere in that range. So my construction experience in terms of the, the length of it goes way back in my career. Made a few other stops, changes, you know, left a, a full-time position, went back into cons- in a, to a consulting mode. So consulting business and working with companies has been part of what I've been doing throughout my entire career in one capacity or another. And it's been an interesting ride. But as I look back, I realize that well over 30 years of, of my experience that I bring with me to any any of the talks that I give, any of the seminars I deliver, everything that I do today, you know, it began with my experiences way back many more years than 30. But it wasn't until about, I would say probably about 10 years ago that I really began to focus on one aspect of of the construction industry, but it's also an aspect of other companies as well. It's really not a industry issue. It's really a business issue. And that is how people were uh, developed in the companies they work for. What was valued? Where was the money put if they were training people to do things? And was there any recognition of the importance of helping people understand how to be able to be more effective communicating with people, building relationships with people, those kinds of things, uh, which then I roll into my to my topical conversation I talk about often, which is soft skills, which are people's qualities and what they mean to beginning and maintaining good relationships in business and in all parts of a person's life. But I really got intrigued by it then. And so I started focusing more of my more of my thinking, more of my interest in what kinds of things do I want to do. And at the time, I had an opportunity to, to take that interest into doing some training work. You know, So I, my involvement in the training industry actually goes back more like 15 or more years, but not an everyday full-time involvement. I kind of did some training in the early days. In construction, we call it a side job. 
but I was, you know, fully employed other, other places. And I just, uh, you know, I've always, I've always been a people person. That's kind of bland maybe to say it that way, but I've always been more interested in the person and what they were like and, and how I came to understand them. And the ones that, that I still know today from 30, 40 years ago are the ones that, that display all of the best qualities that I've come to learn and uh, experience that are the difference between just getting along in business and in life and being successful in business and and happy in life. And so it comes to today and for the last few years I've been I've been doing all work related to soft skills. In 2019 I wrote a book in the construction industry. Somebody said, you know, if you got if you got something you want to say about this th- this topic you call soft skills, write a book. So I did. It was a great experience. It was a I'm thinking it's a once in a lifetime thing for me. I mean because I was already in my advanced years to be kind when I decided to write it, but the motivation was right and the time was right. And the message is one that people receive well, even if they they don't like it. Meaning, uh, I don't know, you know, soft skills, yeah, but you know, it's all, yeah, you know, it's really about you know, about getting the job done. I said, well, that's that's true. And there's not a single business that I know that their customers pay them to do nothing or to do a job poorly. So yeah, I, I get that. In my journey, what I've learned is, in relative terms, that's the easy part: teaching somebody how to do something, whatever that something is. That's the easy part teaching them something about how they interact with other people and how they get along with other people and why they need to interact and get along with people. And again, carrying out to the whole notion of, you know, my success and my progress and my success and what I do as a job is not simply a function of how well I can do the job in a technical sense, but it's also a function of how well I can do the job in the environment where there are other people around that I have to interact with. I think it's a difference maker. That's why I say soft skills are the hardest to, to learn. That's one of my little phrases. And the other phrase is that, you know, soft skills are, are the difference maker. Uh, the people yeah. that are the most successful uh, have the best soft skills. One of them, and it's a big topic these days, we'll probably talk some more about it during our conversation. That's emotional intelligence, which in my view, that's kind of a that's kind of a collective. That's a that's a lot about soft skills and different facets of it and different skills as well. But it's hugely important. And there's much research on it and more and more conversation. I think every day when I go online, you know, I see some article or some mention of, of it being a topic at a conference. We're talking about it much more across industries and across really society in a more general sense. And maybe, maybe at least in part in terms of the quantity of conversation, we're talking about it more because of what, what we all experienced for two plus years that we call the pandemic. Yeah. Um, Dennis, you, you mentioned you're an owner or you're a manager, you get it. You you know this is important. You know, the culture or the organization hasn't made that shift. There needs to be a shift. How do you break it apart? How do you how do you start the process of getting people on board and trained? Yeah, you know, it's it's gonna sound really fun, really almost uh, fundamental to the point of uh it's hard to believe, but and, and it depends in terms of who you're talking to. You know, your employees are not of all the, all the same generation, all the same ethnicity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're all unique. Each human being is unique. And I think that's un- inarguable. But some people say, well, you know, they're just people. Well, they are. But every, every person is different, which is actually a point of commonality, or it should be, that uh, to, to recognize that the fact that you and I are different from each other uh, in observable ways, but also ways other, like things that are within our brain, and other aspects of who we are. That's kind of fundamental to be able to be, begin the notion of, of how we need to change as a business to deal with you know an increasing variety, uh, a very diverse 
variety of people, situations, and opportunities that we face. If we can't change, and if you, Bob, can't change, you know, one of the things we've talked about is this in terms of how you interact with people. If if that can't change, then you're going to have to try to, to learn about the change because it's important for us to continue to serve our the ever-changing needs and interests of our customers because those change as well. And we have to be better at understanding what their needs are and better at serving them as the overall environment we all live in changes. And the first thing I'm going to do for you is, is we're going to we're going to do some work together as as a team. And I think one of the one of the best ways for us to start this is we're going to learn some things about ourselves. We're going to do it individually and we're going to do it collectively and let's call it a training, call it a workshop, call it whatever you want. But we're going to learn some things about ourselves and there are tools that we can use in order to gather facts about about each of us individually. Facts that relate to how we appear, how we come across to people based on ultimately how our brain is wired, which is kind of fancy stuff to talk about. But the bottom line is, since we're all different, if we don't understand you know, that I prefer to be working on a task, doing something, working with a piece of equipment or machinery or doing a drawing or doing CAD work, whatever it may be, as opposed to being responsible for five people that I have to oversee every day and provide direction for them to be able to produce the work and get things done that need to get done. I'd prefer to do the task. And so is that okay? And and the answer to Bob is Bob that yeah that is okay. Uh, we have to understand how, you know, how what what your desires and what you think you prefer to do, how those fit into the picture for for our business and serving our customers, but it can fit. And now that we understand that, then we can also look at, at Joe and Mary and Leo and understand what their behavioral style, to use a big term, Bob, but also you could say personality is. And when we understand that, then we're going to give them a set of facts they can use to better understand themselves in their natural working group. And then we can flip it out and understand that if we know ourselves better using some facts, and, and I call them facts, not in the in the uh, in 2016 or 2020 election alternative facts way, I, I mean real data, legitimate information to bring about a recognition of what your behavior is like, how people see you. And if you understand that and you're willing to recognize that that, that is not going to serve me well unless I make this change, then you may you may be one of those lucky people that can self-motivate. You can say, you know what, this this workshop was great. That report that you got from that assessment was is really helpful. I, I can look at it. I understand it. I don't have to agree with every word, but it, but it generally gives me a strong indication about some things that I didn't, didn't really understand about myself. To get that self-awareness, which is a term that comes out of the emotional intelligence world, but it, it simply just simply says that I'm aware of me, and in, and in particular, I'm aware of what I'm feeling uh, at you know but virtually every moment of my waking hours, and in particular, aware of it in the context of what does it mean for the conversation I need to have with Tats uh, tomorrow afternoon? What does it mean for the meeting I have to they have to conduct tomorrow? What does it mean for particular relationship which is important to me that has been challenging? You know, how do I use what I know about myself now and and feel a little better equipped to look at somebody else and say, well, they have some of the same characteristics or traits or behaviors that I do. And that could provide an explanation that reinforces a good relationship, but also could provide an explanation that allows you to see how you might be able to improve the relationship. Mm. What are some of the common tools or sort of surveys that you use to figure this out? 
there are a, num- a good number of them, but in terms of the of those that are based in solid research and and decades old in terms of their use, I want to say back in the 1930s or 1940s, one of the first assessment processes was uh, was engineered, and it was it was referred to as the, the DISC behavioral assessment, DISC. You know, there was a, a common body of knowledge around DISC. There are a number of versions of it that are published in the marketplace, but they all get right down to the essence, which is is basically four personality styles and what the tendencies are and how they interplay with each other. It's widely available through a a variety of publishers and consultants. I now am using, and I've used it actively for over 20 years, the DISC assessment framework. I've never had anyone simply say, this is just a bunch of, you know what, and toss it in the trash can. I have occasionally, particularly since I work in the construction industry, you know know the construction industry as well. When I have a class, it might have a kind of a crusty old foreman in it. And I've asked him to do this assessment and bring it to class. Uh, And then I said, does everybody have their assessment? Yeah, I got it. I said, well, what'd you you think of it? He said, I I don't know. I, uh, you know. I'm not sure that, you know, it gives me a little bit of that. I said, well, listen, are you married to have a significant uh, other person in your life? Yeah, I'm married. Did you show it to your wife? Yeah, I showed it to her. What did she say? She said it nailed me perfectly. So, you know, it's, and that, and I always like, I like having one of those in a class because that just gets the other ones that were in the camp of, I don't fully understand it yet. I don't fully understand what it means to me yet, but I bet I understand that it understands me. And, and and says it in a way that I can do something with it, even on my own. I mean, I argue with people, and you could, you could go find, there are a variety of free disc assessments. You can go online, and the only thing you have to pay, the only cost of the assessment is for you to enter your email address so they can put you on a mailing list. And then you can unsubscribe, and you've gotten a free report that has useful information in it. So that's one that, that framework is one that I think is important. There are also a couple of very good assessments, specifically related to emotional intelligence, and one that I found to be very useful and straightforward is part of actually a book that was written entitled Emotional Intelligence 2.0. I describe it as being a kind of a cookbook style. It's very straightforward. It includes, in the back flap of the book, it includes a, a, an access code to get be able to go online and take an emotional intelligence assessment. And it comes back, it picks up on the uh, the acronym EQ, people refer to emotional intelligence, and it actually quantifies, puts a number, just like IQ puts a number to your intelligence level. This puts a number to each of what they describe in this particular body of work. They describe them as skills. One relate, relates to personal competence and the other relates to social competence. And it says you have two skills. One is self-awareness. And there are things that you can do to improve your self-awareness. The other is self-management. So those two work together to help you. And then the other side is social awareness, which which is about being aware of other people's feelings, observing them, and then relationship management. So understand what's going on with you, understand what's going on with them so that you can manage a relationship to have the opportunity to get the best result for both parties. So I find that to be a good one. And the most recent, and I'll just, and I'll stop there just with these three ideas. The most recent one is, uh, is something called Agile, Agile EQ. It's a combination assessment, comes from one of the leading publishers, Wiley and Sons. I'm not a Wiley salesperson, but I just will attribute it to where it comes from. It's called Agile EQ. And it it takes the, the DISC assessment and then layers on top of that an assessment of your emotional intelligence, helping you understand, given your personality style, what types of mindsets or, or, or ways of dealing with things are you comfortable with? And there are a few of those. And then what ones are you not comfortable with? And the obviously the direction to say is that you need to learn more about what, you're, what you already understand or may understand about yourself. 
and what kinds of ways of dealing with situations you're comfortable with. But more importantly, you need to learn about the other ways of dealing with situations which you confront every day so that you can put effort into trying to use one of those other mindsets in order, again, to get better results. That's kind of my big three of assessments. So, you know, manager, owner understands that this is important. You know, you've mentioned some of the tools that are helpful for kicking this off and, you know, training this. What can they expect on the back end? What has been some examples of things that have improved or, you know, they can look forward to? Well, I've been close to a number of companies, obviously ones that I've owned and ones that I was in a senior position, at least several of those companies over these years that took an approach that included understanding fundamentally that we've got people, retention is not a bad idea, so we need to spend some money to try to develop them. And the companies that that do that with with the the real, genuine, authentic buy-in of top management, the owners, the CEO, et cetera, those companies, you know, they, they put people into training around things like these assessments are the, are the focus of workshops or training sessions. They, so they teach people about these things. They teach people about what I refer to as being the, the ultimate core competency for every person, and that is communication. Again, you could go on any podcast or read any book, and if somebody doesn't talk about communication as being fundamental to human relationships, blah, 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 then you might as well just throw the book in the trash. It is the core competence. And it's not to say that you have to become an expert speaker, that you're going to go up on a stage in front of 2,000 people on a, on a regular basis, uh, you know, giving them speeches about stuff or motivating with, with messages, which is what I try to do when I get an opportunity to do that. But you do have to understand the communication is a skill. And by virtue of calling it a skill, that means it is something that you can learn and by practice get better at. It's no different than wielding a hammer. Again, if you want to teach somebody how to use a hammer, and this goes back 20 or 30 years, you show them how to do it and you let them practice. You let them hit their nail and break, or hit their nail and, and, and bruise themselves once or twice, whatever it, it takes, but they learn. Similarly, communication, which is which is not just talking. Or not just listening, it's 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 both. And the process of connecting with people, which you have to do it within your immediate workplace, with the people you come in contact around your workplace, and I could go on right on to the community. You need to understand that that there is there is talking and you're and you saying something, and then the other person is uh, at least we would hope is listening. And then what we focus on is the idea that what people have a hard time with is if they don't if they don't have a pretty good understanding about their personality to be able to recognize that because of of my style of personality which I now have, I understand and I don't have to feel bad about it I don't, again that's the other thing about these these assessments is they they are factual and if you accept them and attempt to try to make good use out of them you can set aside your unfounded guilt feelings of guilt about yourself and your recrimination say, ah, oh, you know, just because I'm such, I'm so lousy at this, or, you know, I, I can't delegate or I can't do this or I can't do that. If you understand there's a why involved, then you can do something about it. And if you change and improve, then you, you, you sleep better at night. And that's kind of an extreme thought. But the point is you don't have to wonder. You don't have to, I don't know, I don't know why I have such a hard time getting along with Bob. And what you find out is that, you know, the Bob is a personality style that makes it very difficult for him to, to focus and listen. He's a guy that's usually just running on a piece of equipment, 
running it well, running it fast and safely, but you want to you want to sit down and talk with him about something, it's not in his makeup. It needs to be. So the way you try to help him to be able to, to meet you halfway is by mutually understanding that here's what's going on. And this is the only reason that there are, there are times when one or the other of us doesn't feel okay about the, the general nature of our relationship. And, and so now we understand what that is. So we can do something about that. And so, Bob, what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to remember that you, you're you a guy that wants to get stuff done. You want to keep moving really, really fast. We can agree that, you know, if there's something that's significant that I, I want to talk with you about, it could be specific to the job, it could be something else, then then I'll catch you at a break time or I'll ask you to stay at the end of the day for five or 10 minutes. Would that work for you? And Bob will probably say, yeah, that's fine because you, you're staying out of my way during the day. You know, it's not fancy, complicated stuff. It's just a recognition that that, that core competence it, you know, is absolutely essential. Nobody works in a vacuum. Nobody, not even people that are sent off to Alaska by themselves to paint the entire bill inside of a hospital building in Alaska. And, and actually, I know a person that was tasked to do just that. And one of the reasons he was tasked to do it are two reasons. One, he was a really good painter and he didn't get along with people. So they took, they sent the really good painter to paint because if he if he was around here on another job, somebody else would get pissed off, and and all of a sudden I've got I got problems I got to deal with. So let him go paint, and and, and that's a that's not a, that's not a made up story. It's a real situation, you know. So again, that getting back to the, the two elements of communication, the thing that that many people, more people are have more challenges with is the listening part. You know, listening is an active process. It's this communication is a process. Talking is active. Listening should be active. You know, I can observe as you are sitting on the screen that you are listening to me and that you are finding some things very interesting. You also find some things that kind of humorous, but you're definitely listening to me. And I can tell it simply by the movement of your head. And again, that's, this is not rocket science. If we don't know how simple these clues are to help us, then we miss opportunities. All right. So again, nodding in the head, you know, thumbs up, all those, those visual nonverbal components of communication are hugely important. Uh, and also doing things like asking a question to clarify. So let me make sure I understood the, the five stops you want me to make in, in the order you want me to make them in. And some people are about getting the, giving the instructions, say, just get the hell out of here, go. Yeah, I, I told you the five stops, go. What they don't recognize is that that person they gave the instruction to may not be wired in a fashion that they can get it on the first take. And so, so rather than send them away without a doubt, causing the opportunity for inefficient use of time or rework, Take the extra 30 seconds, say, are we on the same page on this? And they'll say yes. But so we want to just, you know, kind of spit, spit back the three or three, the three or four stops. What's the first stop you're going to make? I'm not, I'm not testing it, but I just want to make sure that you got it because I know you don't want to get out and on the road and realize that you head in the opposite direction of where you should go. So stuff like that. So again, none of this is highly complex, but it all is built in a foundation of understanding in a practical matter how our human brain works that it produces uniquely different people with uniquely different abilities and skills, and also a number of them that are in common with one another. But the more you understand about that, it just provides a, a foundation. And the term I use for employers that that get this and really want to try to do something with this, of working with through their people and developing them, is that they care. They demonstrate caring. Life is getting more and more complicated every minute. Not every year, not every decade, but every minute. You and I both know that. You and I both have an incredible curiosity for, for learning about those things. So, so we know what that 
you know, what that it's palpable. You know, it's not just, oh, yes, that's yeah, okay, fine. It's, I mean, it's a real thing. And if we don't pay attention to it as we continue to move through generations, you know, the newer generations, they have their set of values. And some people argue that some of them really aren't their values. I mean, you could have all kinds of discussion arguing about them, but the basic issue is each generation has certain aspects of, of their interests and values that are different than other generations. And the youngest generation that's in the active workforce, one of the things that they care about, and it's probably true, it's actually probably true of, of millennials as well, but certainly Zs. If I work for you and I'm interested in trying to, to do a good job, when you tell me tell me to do something, please don't get mad if I ask you why. You know, if it's something I haven't heard, I've never heard before, or just did, or initially it didn't make sense to me, which may translate into I just didn't understand you. If I say to you, I'm not sure I understand, could you say it a different way? Please don't get mad at me. I just want to make sure that I understand because at the end of the day, that's going to get us the best result. And that's all basic stuff. I use the word rocket science. It's not rocket science. And to me, and, and I take it a little bit deeper in terms of where it comes, if you come from the heart, in terms of building your life and, and 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 helping to build the lives of other people. It comes from a place of caring. That's the purest, most foundational way of looking at what my role is as a leader. I'm the manager, I'm the owner, I'm the vice president or the CEO. Those are those are titles, they're very nice. But if I want to be the kind of leader that people really want to follow, meaning they want to stay in the, they want to work for that company and they want to continue to work for that company, show that you care. Well, Dennis, thank you so much. I mean, you obviously care a lot. I can hear the passion in your voice and I appreciate you uh, sharing what you've learned through all these years. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Specify Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Tats Talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.